Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so I think I was invited because of this book called Enchanted Objects. And uh, I teach at the Media Lab, and there's a lot of experimentation that goes on on the part of students, and I subject my family to, uh, <laughs> to a lot of experiments as we take things out of the lab and put them in my home. So I wanted to just start off by showing a quick New York Times video of some of those things that I've been inventing and experimenting with. And then I want to show you something totally new, which is what I've currently been working on, which I think is a commonality to what we're seeing in a lot of what's going on with the Internet of Things. Enchanted objects are ordinary things that have the same functionality that they had before, except now they can talk, they're connected. These are ordinary things that have extraordinary capabilities. When we're creating technology for the home, really we want to make something that's seamless and transparent, and that as opposed to having things sort of call out and draw your attention to it, make it a more ambient experience continue to behave with those everyday objects as we as we do in the world and we'll, we can remain focused on connectivity between two people what we're seeing now is this proliferation of different devices that are you know moving out from the cell phone and onto our bodies and into the world so in the middle of our living room is a coffee table that uh, has Google Earth embedded in the coffee table. And I just found that having access to this amazing zoomable map completely changes how often we talk about travel and how often we talk about the world and how often we look up places that are mentioned. And it's really, it's nice to have, you know, this, this beautiful large reference object, you know, sitting in the middle of our living space. Our devices can be a lot simpler, and the interaction to them can be a lot simpler. The internet-connected umbrella can just be an umbrella that only shows whether it's going to rain. You don't need to tap on an icon or do anything that seems sort of artificial. We come from a time in which we need to adapt to our homes and not the other way around. So what if our home could be a platform that we personalize and we customize? The key is how do we create this ecosystem, these technologies that allow us to move from one experience to the other in the more seamless, the most seamless, uh, most uh, magical way. Some people might think that a connected home is overwhelming, that there'll be so much information in a connected home that it's just a cacophonous environment and you wouldn't want to live there. But I think about how we decorate our homes today. We put photographs everywhere, we put paintings up, we put post-it notes up. You know, there's a lot of decoration and adornment in the home. And I think if enchanted objects can be designed in the right way, we're going to want hundreds of them around us. I think what we're going to see is a, a, a new renaissance where designers as well as computer scientists are going to really make a really big impact in the type of technology that we see in the home. The history of computers has mostly been about efficiency. I think one of the things that's changing is that enchanted objects can be about adding motion and add magic to the fabric of our everyday lives and experiences. Thank you. So I, I tried to organize this coming world of enchanted things around some of the fundamental drives or wishes we've all had from a psychological perspective. The wish for omniscience, to be all-knowing, the wish, wish to communicate with other people, telepathy, the wish to be safe, the wish to live a long life, the wish to move effortlessly, and the wish for personal expression uh, in music. 
And one of the things that I'm noticing is that what's common in many and many of these devices and coming to the next generation of devices is an, a sensor that, that called the camera. And the camera has a lot to, you know, the, we're, we're taping cameras everywhere. We made an internet-connected trash can that has a camera taped to its inside lid. So it gives you feedback on what you're throwing out and automatically reorders from Amazon. So it's sort of like supply chain for the home. And, uh, and, and these cameras, oh, can you go to the next slide? This is annoying. What, what do I point at to go to the next slide? These cameras um, have a lot uh, to be thankful for for phones because it's the, it's the mass proliferation of phones that are making cameras so cheap and so battery efficient and so embedded in everything. So for most of us, we're taking 1.8 billion photos every day and sharing them on social media. It's just incredible the amount. It's hard to imagine 1.8 billion and every single day and sharing them. And most of us are just taking photos. How many people have taken a photo today and shared it on social media? Already, right. And you're probably not describing exactly what's happening with text. You just take a photo, that's the evidence, and you post it on social media. Can you go to the next slide or give me, or give me a new clicker so I can do it? So these eyes are getting atomized. The eyes are, are being put into not only phones, but everything else. Next slide. So photography is moving from intention, like Instagram, to incidental, like Dropcam. Next slide. So our homes and offices and cities are all getting these cameras that are taped up, as you know. Next slide. And our TVs are getting cameras so we can gesture at them so they can see us, so they can notice who's watching. Next slide. And as Tolkien predicted, you know, our trees are even becoming sentient. Our trees are even seeing. Next slide. And so that you can see critters like this in the middle of the night. Or ovens can see what's inside them. Or pens can now need a cloud. No, pens are seeing what we write, storing the gestures, storing the audio, and are able to be ref so you can reference that audio because all the, all the audio is time-stamped with your notes. Next slide. This is what a student project from the Tangible Media Group where I teach. A student put a camera in the tip of a paintbrush in order to be able to see, uh, in order to be able to sample the world. Or this project called the IO Bulb was the notion of taking bright lights like this and embedding, embedding cameras in them and also making them into Pico projectors so you can basically project onto the world. Um, this, uh, I, I recently saw the head of 3D Robotics, Chris Anderson, who said basically the biggest use case for selfies, for, for drones, is selfie sticks. So, and they're embedding, you know, there are cameras in all these drones. The cameras are trying to use computer vision to understand the activity. So if it sees that you're surfing or mountain biking, it can do the intelligent shot planning. Even cars and trains and planes are all seeing in order to provide accountability, in order to not derail. Um, go ahead, next slide. Even these body cameras have an incredible approval rating in the United States. So we're putting cameras on all of our public servants, from firefighters to uh, policemen. Um, what we do with all of this data and how we redact the data is a huge issue. Go ahead. I've been taking a picture of you every 30 seconds with this camera from a Swedish company called Narrative. It's called a life-logging camera. And what it reveals is 
a, you know, a portrait of your day. So you can see, this is one day uh, in Cambridge, another day in Copenhagen, where I teach at the Interaction Design Institute. What you start to see in these little flipbooks is how much time you're spending with screens versus students, how much time you're spending versus indoors versus outdoors, how many people you're looking at are smiling at you and engaged versus looking down and depressed, which is probably a signal of your own depression. But it's interesting how this is a better quantified self object than accelerometry or, or a gyroscope. Go ahead. So welcome to the photo cloud. Welcome to the world where you can upload all of the photos you've ever taken and these 1.8 billion photos are, are automatically processed from social media and all of these incidental cameras are starting to be understood. Um, it may scare you. I'm intrigued by what this means for retail. Go ahead. So I started a company two years ago to try to process and understand every photo on social. Go ahead. So we're seeing, we've trained a system with deep learning techniques and pattern matching techniques to recognize the presence of 5,000 brands, 1,000 objects, 500 scenes, faces, and smiles. Not individual faces, but the fact that there is a face. If you want to try this and see a real-time stream, I'm sorry, it may not be appropriate in terms of porn, but it has, uh, you can go to, to um, demo uh, streamdetto.com. Go to the next slide. Uh, and see a real-time stream of photos that are coming off for whatever category you like, like candy or alcohol. Go ahead. So what some of those look like are, you know, ice cream being classified, broccoli being classified, figs, pineapple. So these are not only brands, but also the objects that people were. were, were. I just tr I tuned this on food since I was just recently at a food conference, and we were interested in what can you tell about what people are eating and what time of day people are eating their ice cream. Go ahead. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, this is painful. Next slide. Keep going. Just past this section. So what's this? So brands are using is for three primary reasons. One is to ask the question you might ask in a focus group, which is, how is my product being used? You know, what are people putting Frenchies mustard on these days? When are people drinking their Red Bull? You know, who's wearing Prada? Who just got fabulous new shoes in Milan? Hello? There you are. <laughs> the second thing people are using it for, go ahead, next slide, is for competitive intelligence to compare, to say, how is this brand versus doing versus this brand and in what populations? Go to the next slide. And we've created this important new index called visual brand power. So you can say for a category, let's say ice cream, even though Bluebell has 24% of the revenue, they only have 1% of the passion in, in, in ice cream. So uh, I was talking about Bluebell, but Ben and Jerry's right has 60% of the photo share in the category. So 60% of the passion, but only 19% of the revenue. So their social media team should be congratulated. So you can go to Visual Brand Power and see how brands are doing. Go ahead, next slide. The other thing you can do is you can find your authentic fans. You can say, who's actually using my product or who's actually using my competitor's product as revealed through the photos? And you can download that list. So that means important things for retail. Go to the next slide. So here's, here's the story. This type of ubiquitous cameras, both volitionally taken through Instagram and also incidentally taken through body cameras and other things, will change, fundamentally change, 
retail and fundamentally destroy advertising as we know it. Do you like that idea? <laughs> and here's how it will happen. This computer vision, CV is computer vision, makes the unstructured data of all of these photos being posted structured and actionable. So just imagine all the photos that are streaming by on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Tumblr become actionable. It's the next link, right? So you can say, learn about that from Wikipedia. Go there from a map. Call that thing. Watch more about that. Connect through that guy. Donate to that cause. Browse more products like that. Go to the next slide. So I'm going to go quickly, and I'm just going to go like this for the next slide, okay? So uh, imagine you, you're already influenced by what your friends do and what your friends post on social media. So imagine you can browse glasses like that. Or go to that, get a ticket to that game right there. Or get an expiring offer, like a stand-up paddleboard that's on a Groupon that you can just get, that's only available for the next 10 minutes. Or, thank you, that's really good. <laughs> uh, or imagine you're, like, your friends go to some fabulous place, and you're like, I would like to go to that same place. What would it cost to go there? You know, brought to you by a service you know and love and trust, like Expedia. Or your friends are having a fabulous meal. You say, I would like a meal like that. I mean, how many of your friends post photos of food? Like, everybody's doing it, right? So you'd say, I just want to reserve that. So notice that the photos are already being taken. People's attention is already in social media. Um, the services that might broker that relationship, a la OpenTable, are already in place. And the affiliate models that, that reward you for, for introducing and coupling those two relationships are, are also already plumbed. So the only missing piece here is computer vision. Go to the next slide. So hospitality, right? Like I, we stayed in an awesome hotel last night. Like friends might want to book someplace right there. Um, you might want to listen to the music that you hear portrayed on someone's T-shirt or poster. You might want to go to the movie that you see portrayed in an ad. You might want to shop similar pants. You might want to buy things that are being tagged on house. Right now, house is all a manual tagging process, but that will get automatic with computer vision. You might want to borrow that car. So how did we, all, how did we get here? Like, What's the path of things that needed to happen to get here? So one is that cameras leapt into phones and created UGC. The next was the, 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 all, the phone, all, the, all those photos leapt onto social network where we're spending all of our time. Like, I hope nobody's developing a website anymore because no one's spending time on websites. People are spending all their time on social. Then we have low-cost data plans, which give us massive user-generated content, and plus computer vision, which gives this structure to this user-generated content, which is the critical piece. Now, and that's partially given by a, the fact that we have a, a huge elastic cloud, which gives us the affordability of having, Ditto right now has 400 servers, eight-headed servers that are all running in the cloud right now, and it only costs us $30,000 a month to process all of these photos. And every couple of months, Amazon says, oh, you know what? It just got cheaper. It just got cheaper. And now IBM has a competitive service. Google has a competitive service. And then add to that all these incidental cameras, which give us the sense to sort of experience, friend, your, experience things through other people, which is, gives us this vicarious ability to shop. Um, plus, the affiliate models rewards people for recommending things to friends. So my 
big um, idea um, that I'm working on about the future of retail is that every social photo stream becomes actionable. And you can start to see the pieces coming together. You have buy pins in Pinterest. You have buy buttons announced in Twitter. So we have open, an open API that allows you to push as many million photos at our photo cloud as you want per day, and we tag exactly what's in those photos. That's our business. We're not going to start a retail store. We're going to allow other people who already have retail stores or brands to allow friends' photos to become actionable. So if you want to learn more, there are APIs available it's at Ditto, and thanks for having me this morning. Thanks. Thank you, David. Great speech. We just need a new battery. So. Yeah, I was actually very intrigued. Uh, it almost felt like I did the purpose this from digital to physical. Good point. Hmm. This is what I, I, this is one of the things that intrigues me, and I would really like to get some of your thoughts of where what is the relationship between the digital and the physical? What should be the relationship? Hmm. What is, what, where are we going with it? Yeah, I think one of the one of the. Um, favorite ideas from the Media Lab is something we call digital shadows. And that's the idea that every physical thing in the world ha also lives in, in a sort of doppelganger virtual world. And there, and so it can project digital shadows into the physical world. So just imagine every everything, like whether it's your dinner plate or your beer or uh, the so hanger in the retail store. To the shadow and that's react. right. No, that that everything has a digital representation, and that data that's relevant can be projected adjacent to the real object. Okay. So if you if you think about your dinner plate at dinner, maybe the 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 chain of where the food came from is projected adjacent yeah. to the plate, right. or nutrition information adjacent to what you're eating, or advice adjacent, or okay. you know, so that cool. just. Or, or hangers in retail store have Facebook likes represented on the hanger, you know, for the objects. They recognize so you through your mobile and say, right. these are your friends yeah. that are like this and so forth. Right. So we shouldn't be fetishizing digital at all. Mm. We should be thinking about how to elegantly embed that uh, as a layer in the world. I was just at this uh, conference down at Rome, in Rome yesterday where Satya from Microsoft spoke. Mm -hmm. And he showed the HoloLens vision. Yeah. And half of it is really... Um, I don't want to be too critical, but I think there isn't good design thinking brought to how the HoloLens could change our lives. Because if you're just sitting there looking at a 3D body, there's no reason it should be floating in the middle of the room. Nope. Or Minecraft projected on the constraint of your coffee table. But if there's an opportunity to take the things that are in the real world and project information that, that sort of has as much reason for being there as the physical object does, that's where augmented reality starts to get interesting. Totally agree with you on that. And I think we're actually going to see, just like the camera from the, you know, for the phones, they opened up new territories. I mean, I think all the designers here, if they would not have been for kids playing video games, we would not have powerful 3D software. Mm. So you never know where it comes from. Well, thanks a lot, David. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>